welcome to the New Stories Podcast. Well, welcome everyone. Today's podcast is going to be literally fun, and so I'm excited about it. And let's get started. We've got Janae, Joel, and Shannon with us today, and they will introduce themselves and tell you um, their roles at our school. I'm Janae Bell, and I am the cross-divisional admin assistant to the learning specialists. I'm Shannon Needham. I'm one of two upper school learning specialists. And I'm Joel Gunsberg. I'm the lower school counselor. Great. So even in the roles that are represented on this podcast, we've got the intersection between learning and, and sort of the social, emotional, and the counseling part. And I think that's where fun kind of lives. Will you tell us, because when some people think of fun, they think of, of silliness and play in sort of a non-educational setting. Where is it that fun lives in the academic work of our students? So based on mind-brain education or MBE-informed research, We know that memory, attention, and engagement are all critical for long-term learning to take place. And so just a little bit of background. Memory is um, like explicitly teaching students good study strategies, as well as kind of introducing the parts of the brain that are impacted by learning and memory retention. So like the hippocampus and your amygdala. Attention um, involves knowing about the primary and recency effects and knowing that students will remember best the information that was presented in the first and last 10 minutes of class. And then engagement, I think, is where fun comes in. And so I believe that fun and play kind of spark creativity and innovation and passion. And those are things that help motivate everybody to learn. Like I remember when I was in school, some of the lessons that I remembered best were fun. (laughs) And so like if a teacher broke the class into groups and had us play like Jeopardy, that was like an age appropriate way to create a little competition because, you know, we all want (laughs) to win. And then also, I think that play kind of lowers the stakes in the classroom environment. So it makes it feel more safe to make mistakes. And making mistakes is also an important part of the learning process because making a mistake and being able to identify where that mistake was made and being able to correct or fix it also helps with your recall process in the future. I mean, I think, you know, what Janae said plays out in a million different ways. The memory piece is huge for me. So if it's fun and funny, you're much more likely to remember it. I think the safe space part too, and the ability to make mistakes and to play with mistakes, to play with things that didn't go like we thought they were going to go, to laugh about it a little bit and to wonder, right? Like, so if if you're laughing about it then you're like, oh no, what happened here? And then you're actually, you're using a lot of critical thought in there. The use of humor requires critical thinking and to be able to then break down, you know, why was this funny? Why didn't this work? You're actually really enhancing the learning process as opposed to taking away from it. One of the points that I think was really important as I'm listening to both Janae and Shannon talk is the whole sphere of the person who's learning. You know, the learner is not only getting comfortable with the growth mindset of of making mistakes, but just being able to be comfortable with making a mistake and being safe in a space to do that, I think is really important. And when we think about silliness or fun, you know, thinking about the youngest learners when they've learned their colors and, and once they know their colors to be able to say, 
hey, look at this. It's it's red and, and you're holding up a blue object and to be able to get them to correct you and, and look at the silliness and laugh with you. I think it promotes that face of everybody can make mistakes and there's a space where this can be fun and, and enjoyable. Mm-hmm. Y'all have me thinking about so, so many connections and one of them is so many of the early learning theorists and really the seminal ones that we still use talked about, as Joel was just saying, and you all were, learning as a social endeavor and the importance of social context. And also that when we learn something and we recall it, the emotions around the context of how we learned it are also recalled. So I'm wondering if fun doesn't also just continue to last and play out throughout our lifetime. of When we learn that color red and we associate fun with it, that becomes sort of a lifetime pattern in the brain, right? I'm wondering if we need to back up and maybe define fun. So <laughs> my DEI lens would say my sense of fun and your sense of fun may be different things. But in this conversation, when we're talking about fun in this academic setting, like what do we mean? How do we help folks understand when we say fun in this way, what that looks like? I think it's a great question. I know... Um, If you go into a classroom and you've got, say, 10 different kids, you may have seven different versions of fun. So I think it's part of it's knowing your audience and what you do with that fun. Right. So I know Shannon mentioned humor. That's a huge part of my approach in learning is the ability to connect through humor. But also it could be a lesson that has some sort of competition to it. It could be a lesson that is Fun in the sense that you're talking about things that you normally wouldn't talk about in a class. Coming in as a counselor to teach the class that I teach, it's a lot different than having to get certain content in. I can come from a different angle than a teacher can. And I feel like that's one thing that I like to do is just to make it a little bit different than than what normally might happen in a classroom. Funny, Rodney, because I was thinking about this last night because as I was trying to think of what was fun for me, right? So I was kind of uh, almost predicting your question and being like, okay, well, how would I define this for myself? And my first thought were things that incite joy, right? You think big first, we think the big emotions. But then as I thought through things that are fun to me, I also kept coming up with things that bring a great deal of contentment for me, right? So not the big sense of like, woo, but like more of just, it centers me, right? It makes me feel good, not necessarily in a really outward way, but more of in an inward way. I think Joel mentioned novelty, right? And the power of that and in, in sort of inciting joy. And that's a go-to for me too. But I think there's also this sense of, you know, the quiet giggle or when we smile to ourselves because there's something that's just connected to us. You know, that's a great deal of fun too. When I was in school, I was a huge theater kid. And so fun for me was when my classes kind of incorporated the arts. I remember in college, my teacher, there was a a class about like neuroscience and she had us act out the process of a cell firing, of a neuron firing. (laughs) So that was so much fun to me because she like gave us costumes, just like a K for like the protein that was like influxing the cell. But that was fun for me. And like anytime a teacher would say, okay, like maybe record a commercial for this or write a song about this or a monologue about this. I always thought those were fun techniques um, and I enjoyed them. (laughs) (laughs) What I love about that example too, Janae, is we often think that fun is something reserved for the lower school, right? I mean, we know that play in the lower school is an important part of learning, role play and 
interacting with the world, right? And understanding play with others. But sometimes we don't see the middle and upper school as connected to that. And so I appreciate your example in terms of fun is really a preschool to 12th grade and a lifelong endeavor. And at the same time, I'm thinking about today's world, like today, literally today's world, which is so complicated and frankly, not very fun (laughs) right now in the midst of a pandemic, in the midst of tense political and societal tensions, what can the role of fun at school play in terms of helping students to understand and also cope with the world we're living in? So I had a good friend of mine who posted something recently from her Buddhist practice. It was a great quote that talked about that now is the time to fight for an indestructible happiness. And I just loved that framing. It was both things, right? It's not one or, it's this and. Part of what we want our children to have is much, like you said, Rodney, these associations with learning and things, they didn't choose this time to be in school. They didn't choose this this pivotal moment in their education. So as educators and people who are connected to children, I feel like we are somewhat obligated to both foster this indestructible happiness while being in the fight in order to provide for them those joyful and connected moments as they learn. Mm. Mm. There's something to be said about mindfulness in this moment. I mean, I think when you think about mindfulness, that means a lot of different things to different people. You know, you say the word mindfulness and somebody might just go to relaxation. And I think this is the perfect space of being mindful of how you feel, what things make you feel certain ways. and, And when we're in the midst of turmoil, starting to build that resilience, this is an opportunity to say, okay, well, how are we feeling in this moment? Okay, now this can change. I think of our youngest learners and what they know and what they don't know in these spaces, but just the ability for others to model for them that this is gonna be okay. You know, we're gonna keep working in the midst of, it takes a lot of practice and being able to have conversation about that. With the lower school, we spend a lot of time with mindfulness focusing on the five senses and how does that affect certain things. So if you're feeling a certain way, maybe you're feeling sad today. Well, what do we do with sadness? Can you use a mindful pause in this moment? Those are all things that we can continue to give the the skills, I think, especially in this time. I mean, this is I hate to say the words because I feel like we've said it and heard it a million times, but it's unprecedented times, right? So as we say that, some of our students, you know, they don't know any different. This is the moment they're in in third grade, or this is the moment they're in in fourth grade. And it just happens to be that this is the year that they're not at school because we're doing virtual learning. It's an experience along the way. So it's um, kind of saying, hey, this is what we're dealing with. And this is what the next step is as we go and, and giving them some tools with it. So I'm hearing a more nuanced definition of fun, right? Fun as joy, fun as laughter and silliness, fun as connection, fun as belonging, fun as comfort, fun as a manifestation of the deep relationship between student and teacher, right? Fun is knowing each other and knowing how we work and knowing what we need to relax and be mindful, right? Fun is resilience. And so this is a really important conversation, I think, um, in terms of where education is going and the innovation and the inclusion of fun. But I feel like we've been doing this for a while at Sandy Spring Friends School. You know how research often lags behind practice. (laughs) And so I'd love to hear you talk about an example right here at school that you can recall fun being so deeply connected to the learning. 
Well, so I think programmatically from looking at the way that we've structured our school year this year and that our emphasis is on the social pods and getting students together in those connected spaces. And that's what we've decided to prioritize. If we have to choose when to put students together, we're going to choose that time for them to connect and, and to have fun. You know, I know that in the upper school, some of the advisory activities we're planning for those social pods really are about getting the students to just connect to one another and have a little fun play together uh, in the way that upper school students will play. <laughs> I could give an example. I don't know if I can share my screen or not. Yeah, I can. I can show you and I can, I can kind of explain what's on the screen. So this lesson comes from a thinking routine from Project Zero called See, Think, Wonder, and have the students dial into this picture for about 30 seconds to a minute. And for those who can't see the photo, it's my Bitmoji, which is a little character version of me wearing an Adidas tracksuit, the, the Bitmoji sitting and kind of thinking. And in that thought bubble is a picture of the Bitmoji in the same tracksuit reading and drinking coffee, also laying in a beach chair in a different picture, and then one with the Bitmoji looking really intently with a magnifying glass. You can see some messy books on the side and a picture of John Wall in the top corner playing basketball. The point in this picture is get them to see as many things as they can in that minute, and then tell me what is it that you see, what is it that you think about what you see, and what is it that you wonder about what you see. And it's a lot of fun because we can play throughout it where they say, I see a Bitmoji or you, Joel, in the beach chair. And I said, well, that's how I like to be at the beach. I like to be in my Adidas tracksuit. So to add some humor to it, but also talking about how we're not always present and, and how mindfulness is present for our learning. And those three things in the thought bubble are about, well, when you're present in the moment, you're present for your learning. You're present for your reading. You're also present for your relaxation and you're present for your investigation and investigation. Are, these are all huge pieces of learning. We're doing our Quaker theme this month of that of God and everyone. So this is a, a little bit about me. So my messy books is I've done a lot of reading this summer and I throw them back on the shelf when I'm done because I have so many more to read. And the cell phone on the ground next to the Bitmoji is how I do my guided meditations just through the phone. And I'm constantly working and that's what the laptop's about. And there's a little journal in front of them and that's my way to tell the students, we're gonna be doing journaling with mindfulness this year. So a lot of this picture is just fun. They see that it's gonna be fun and it's also an introduction because we're in this virtual space, instead of just doing Zooms, try to have fun with it and create this Bitmoji classroom, which as time goes on, I can put links in this classroom if I'm doing asynchronous work, especially for our youngest learners on that bookshelf. I can put pictures of books that they click that then go to a link of me reading the book or different exercises throughout. So wonderful. And, and if um, I know the folks on the podcast can't see the Bitmoji, but it's really, <laughs> I hope we find a way for them to see it. It's really great. And Joel, you reminded me of something, but we've been talking about fun in the student sense. But even just before this podcast, we were on just enjoying each other and laughing together as colleagues. What's the role of fun in the teacher community? This is honestly something I'm still trying <laughs> to figure mm -hmm. out because mm -hmm. there's kind of like, for me at least, being on Zoom for a long time throughout the day can be exhausting, but then I yep. still want opportunities to connect with my coworkers. So for me, I guess I just try to limit how many Zooms I schedule in a day so that I have, I can get my work done and I can also connect with other people. But even with our all school meeting for business or 
each individual meeting for business in each division. I kind of like it when we take a moment to connect at the beginning or at the end of our meetings. Like I know that we've been doing those chatterfall little like games in the all school meeting for business. And I really enjoyed that because I get to see where other people are and I get to express how I'm feeling. And I feel like that's a good way to connect with each other. But yeah, this is honestly something that I'm still working on trying to accomplish while working on Zoom, knowing that I don't want to take up more people's like time and energy, but also still wanting to build community with each other. So if anyone has any suggestions, (laughs) that would be great. You're so polite. You don't want to interrupt in other people's lives. Meanwhile, I'm just like, I'm just throwing some fun at you. (laughs) I'm thinking back to like, everybody has a different interpretation of fun and sometimes forced fun is not fun, right? So it's a careful balance. But I know that I've found a lot in the Zoom world using the Quaker practice of having a moment of silence and adding to that a moment of fun. So if you take like that moment of silence and then you do something fun, even in our adult only meetings. And an example of that is I found an amazing deck of cards. I've I've really started to like these decks of cards that people create that have different themes, questions or prompts on them. And one that I've found recently to be really helpful is called Mixtape. And it gives you scenarios and then everybody in the group picks a song that matches that scenario. So one of the things that I did in one of our early meetings was have everyone in our admin meeting respond to one of those prompt cards with a song in the chat, but only to me privately. And then I took all those songs and I created a Nearpod matching game. So at the next meeting, then we played the matching game. And I asked the members of admin to identify the song that their, <laughs> that their colleagues had picked for that scenario. So we tried to match the person to the song. And then I also created a Spotify playlist of all of our admin team songs that we had picked for that. So it lasted over several different meetings. And it was intended to just be kind of that start point, much like the moment of silence is a little bit of fun as well, just to kind of shift everybody into a a lighter headspace. Because what I see as we get into the school year and as we get into the 20 Zooms a day, as our humor and our ability to be light decreases, so does our creativity. And so I feel like any way that we can kind of nudge each other back into that space is valuable. So now you're speaking about cognitive load and and Janae reminded us earlier about amygdala hijack, right? Where (laughs) how much can your brain really take in if it's a brain under stress or duress? And so fun also releases tension from the balloon so that it can expand even more. Really important. And in the essence of novelty and spontaneity, which we've talked about with fun, I think we should do a round of mixtape. So (laughs) (laughs) I think we should do it. (laughs) You mean right now? Right now. Right? I think that would be fun. I'm I'm always game for for a mixtape. Yep. Okay, here we go. A sea of people, 65,000 raucous festival attendees screaming for your encore time to close the show what song do you play (laughs) i think i'm going with beyonce formation (laughs) (laughs) a great choice (laughs) i feel like queen's bohemian rhapsody i'm just gonna go in for it you know keep it keep the moment going as long as possible That's a tough one, Shannon. Where do you go? I mean, like, which genre of music do you go to, right? You, yeah. So, clarifying question. 
You said it's, it's a it's a rocking crowd. Like people are excited. It says raucous, not rocking. But I, I mean, it's up to you how you want to interpret that. Rocket crowd. Oh. And sixty-five thousand. I don't know why the exact number is so important, but I felt like it was relevant since we do not get to see groups of people this large anymore. So it's right. kind of a throwback for us. I feel like I would go with "Don't Stop Believing." Just because I always like when people close with that stuff. <laughs> Something about being able to sing all the words. Mm -hmm. Oh, man. I think I would probably... See, Janae just switched my mind. I was, I was not going to... I was thinking maybe Bon Jovi, right? Like... <laughs> Okay. There's something about that. Oh, we're halfway there. <laughs> With 65,000 people almost feels like it's there. I wanted to go a different version, but I feel like if you've got 65,000 people, it, it always brings a smile to everybody's face who, who hears that. <laughs> Thankfully, wow. Rob asked all of us to sing ours because I think that would have it could flow right well into around the karaoke, absolutely. <laughs> well, well, I mean, but but such an organic moment, but also a real moment of demonstrating the power of fun, right? We laughed, but I feel like I know the three of you better as I'm getting to know y'all in my first year. And every time you said a song, I thought about what my association with that song was, and it took me to a place. Um, and living on a pair will probably be stuck in a loop throughout my head for the day. You're, you're welcome. <laughs> so we just, you know, that learning and fun going right well together and connection. How do parents do this at home with their kids, right? How can parents take fun and also infuse some learning into it in the home setting? And we know in this period, parents are, are much more involved in the education of their kids even, and looking for ways to, to do it where it doesn't feel as heavy, right? Where it still maintains the fun of home for students. What tips do you have for parents on that? It's kind of cool because Joel and Janae, our children are all in very different uh, stages. So I think it's kind of a cool peek into the developmental nature of the answer to that question. As you were talking, Rodney, one of the thoughts that was going through my mind was the many roles that parents are playing in this time. So like they're they're helping with the education, they're helping with just about everything and they're dialed in without a break often so to get to this big when you talk about cognitive load before and put all that together you know I think it's hard for a parent one of the things that I've been suggesting is do things that are different whether that's getting out into to nature just because we're inside so much if you can in a safe way getting out to nature and doing some stuff as a family you've got uh, different ages of, of your kids it could be engaging in some of the electronics that they've been playing with, you know, maybe creating that Roblox account to play with your kids and enjoy some of the stuff that they're doing. I think it's, it's also creating a space. I'm thinking about parents having fun for themselves. And when the kids go to sleep, you know, what is it that they're doing for themselves to make sure that they're kind of recharging the batteries? I think that goes back to when we talk about the definition of fun. I think that it's going to range from family to family as to what, what people want to engage in. But making space for it, I think, is really, really important in these times. Yeah, I think Joel's point about self-care is so important, you know, tapping into like maybe even, you know, before there were children in the house, what was fun? <laughs> you know, what, what did you laugh at? What did you do? What are ways you can tap into that? Whether it's, you know, watching something on Netflix or having a conversation with a friend who, you know, will make you laugh. I have children who are in 
college and, and then a middle schooler. And so I've really delighted in their sort of blossoming adult humor. In the time that they were home, my daughter just started putting sticky notes of memories from our quarantine time together on my cabinet. And one of the cabinet doors is completely covered now because we all just started adding to it. And then occasionally somebody will stop and just read from them. And so I think those spontaneous things are really important. Joel mentioned letting the kids lead. I think that's, you know, kind of watching what are your children doing to have fun and then joining in or adding to it and kind of fanning the flames of that excitement and that play. And I would say that, you know, having little dance parties and doing silly things, I think the kids will roll their eyes at you if they are teenagers, and that's fine. But the truth is that sometimes they're having a blast. <laughs> and what we know, those of us who work with teenagers all the time is like the eye roll and the, uh, is often followed by like a little grin or chuckle. And I think they know this in our residential program where some of the activities, you know, they've got kids tie-dyeing, they've got kids doing things that you might associate with younger students. But the kids are excited to do it. You know, they're excited to engage with that playful part of themselves. And so not being afraid to just, not being afraid as adults to throw something out there and fail with your kids I mean, <laughs> in, the, in the name of play. Yeah, and I have an 18-month-old or a one-and-a-half-year-old. And so for him, imaginative play is just beginning to emerge. And so a lot of the fun that we partake in is pretending. <laughs> and so he has discovered cell phones. And anytime he has a phone, he'll just pick it up. And he can't say hello yet, but <laughs> he'll say like, day. And then he'll just have a whole conversation with, I don't know who he thinks he's talking to. But whoever, they're having a great conversation. And then also sometimes when I really am on the phone, he'll come up and start talking. <laughs> and whoever I'm on the phone with would be like, is that, is that your son? And I'm like, yep, <laughs> he thinks you're talking to him. <laughs> yeah, so a lot of the things that we're doing now is buying him toys that will help him to like extend his imagination. So like pots and pans so he can pretend to cook and like, well, act, some of the things are real too, like instruments, so he can like drum or play on a keyboard. I'm excited for, I like this age range where they start to imagine and pretend and to play and begin to play. And so, yeah, I'm excited for what else I will observe with him. Such great examples. In listening to them, I'm thinking about a term we haven't called out yet, which is fun as experiential learning. And that a part of fun is also experiencing and imagining and reimagining the world. And then there's some modeling that also goes on. And I heard that in your discussion, too, about parents modeling for their kids the permission to have fun and different ways that fun could look and how fun extends through your life narrative. Just so important. I mean, there's a million places we could go <laughs> with this discussion of fun. But in the essence of time, I think I want to close with this question of if there was one thing that you wanted to make sure people heard on this podcast today about fun, and it could be repeating something we've already said for emphasis or bringing in something new, what do you want to make sure people heard today about this topic of fun in the educational lives of ourselves and our students? I think just the awareness that fun is central to being healthy and to the learning process. And so prioritizing fun is a good use of time. Yeah, I, I'm thinking about this a lot. 
oftentimes we can be in a space, regardless of whether lower, middle, or upper school, you know, that we're looking for best results possible, which can create pressure. And finding ways to reduce that pressure gets better results. Personally, I like to have a lot of fun with the students that I work with, and I love to watch teachers. We have a fifth grade teacher. My office is right next to her class, and I heard her singing what sounded like an Avril Lavigne song, but she's basically like saying, chill out, it's time to sit down. You know, it was just, it's just one of those moments of, hey, connection is so important. And I feel like when you're having fun, you're connecting. And when you're connecting, you allow people to get ready for learning and and freedom from pressure and just trying to get to as much calm and enjoyment, I think allows for people to be exactly who they are, whatever learner they are. And, And I know we've been talking a lot as a space of belonging and that if we're having fun, And it's fun that allows inclusivity to all our friends. It just makes for a space where not only a couple of people are having fun, but we're we're finding that comfort and that low pressure situation for as many people as possible. I do think that's the ultimate goal is to try and just create good space for young people to, to be the best that they can be. Yeah, I, again, just want to reemphasize the importance of incorporating play into every area of your life. Because what really is life without play and fun? Like, it would be such a drag. (laughs) And I wanted to just circle back really quickly, Rodney, the question that you sort of incited about, I think it is important to keep in mind that fun is not the exclusion of fight or seriousness about the state of the world right now, or the fact that not all of our friends might not be included in any particular activity that we're doing. I think all of those things are integral to our development and use of fun in education and in our homes, but it doesn't have to be to the exclusion of fun. Mm -hmm. Such an important place to to land as we end, right, is that fun has been, and it's even trivial to call it a coping mechanism. It's, It's been like a survival tactic for the human race throughout all of our timeline that and the hardest of circumstances, it was those folks who found moments of joy and resilience and fun amidst it all that also made it through all those storms. And so as we talk about belonging, which Joel named, and, and resilience and connection, those are really human needs. And all of them are connected to fun. This has certainly been fun. <laughs> so thank you <laughs> for taking time out of your day and and time to talk about this and to bring this important concept to light because I think if there's one thing that the world needs right now, it may be an infusion of of deep and purposeful and organic connected fun. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the New Stories Podcast. 